Hey there, my five faithful listeners and anyone who randomly stumbled upon this episode. My name is Lydia, and this is the Lydia Todd Pod. It's probably not a good idea to start a podcast because your last name rhymes with pod, but I'm here anyways. From spontaneous trips to special guests to deep spiritual conversations and everything in between, expect inspiration, stories, and plenty of laughter. Grab a glass of milk, settle in, and let's dive into the episode. Season 1. Hey guys, welcome back to the Lydia Todd Pod. We are joined again with Daniel Dalton and Kaylee Wadlington, and we are doing a follow-up episode for the Why Do We Suffer as Christians kind of series. Uh, The first one was called God is Good, the second one was called Hell is Good, and this is just our conclusions, wrap-up, follow-up questions that some of you guys have sent in. And we just wanted to start off, before we get to the questions, by establishing some truths that we stated and assumed in the first two episodes with some scriptures to back them up. Because sometimes we take for granted what we know is in the Word, and there's a couple things that we said that are in the Bible, but we didn't show you guys verses for them. So, the first one is that God is righteous, and I had one verse down for that. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4. Deuteronomy 32 4. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And so that verse pretty clearly says that God is both just and righteous and true. So that kind of covers a couple different things. Do you have any other scriptures for that? Uh, yeah, and that one, that one has several aspects of, of righteousness in it. It has uh, justice, it has faithfulness, it has without sin, without iniquity, and being upright and perfect, being complete. So there is no lack of completion with God. There is no lack of justice. There is no lack of faithfulness. If he says something, he's going to do it, and there's no sin in him. There's no evil in him at all. So this, this covers a massive amount of the righteousness and justice of God just in this one place. So some of them, and, and we looked at a few of these going through, but not from this aspect. James 1.17 is a good one when looking at the goodness of God. And it doesn't conclusively talk about the goodness of God, but it deals with everything that we receive from God. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow due to change. Where does every good thing come from? God. From above. God. Okay, so if every good thing is from above, that, that places a goodness on God. And again, that's not conclusive, but it places a goodness on God. And it also is conclusive that every good thing that we have is from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, did his perception of what God's plans for him were, did it change the fact that God's plans were good for him? Does our perception of God's plans for us, does that change the fact that God's plans are good for us? No. No. This verse is a lot of times taken and applied way out of context. Oh, it is. It is. And this was specific to this, this one situation. But, but it applies to that one situation in that way. His perception and his understanding of what was happening and what was going on didn't change the fact that everything that God had planned for him was good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mark 10 and verse... 17 we're going to do 17 and 18 and this one is a lot more conclusive but a little more difficult got to get a little background to fully grasp it oh this is this is a good one 
Mark 10, 17 and 18. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. Okay, so the question that always comes to mind is, well, is, is Jesus good? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> Jesus here, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, and that is God. So the common practice of the time was when someone was a teacher, if you wanted to show them respect, you called them good teacher. Does this man understand what good means? I mean, he's using it in their social context. He's using in the social context, randomly calling this teacher who he wants to learn from good. Does he know Jesus is good? He, this question he implies that he doesn't know he's God. Doesn't know he's God, does he? So he's just looking at him as a teacher and wanting to learn from him and referring to them him with this, this common phrase of, of good master, good teacher. And Jesus responds to him with a teaching lesson. You, you don't even understand what you're saying. You know, God is the only one that's good. Does that exclude Jesus from being good? No, it does not. Jesus is God, isn't he? Yeah. But he wasn't calling Jesus good because Jesus was God. He was calling Jesus good because he was a teacher. And so he didn't understand even the principle of good. And as part of what we dealt with even last time is, do we ever misunderstand good versus evil? Yeah, this is this isn't a eternal problem, it seems. <laughs> it, it, it is. And it's a problem because we're in a physical world where good is oftentimes skewed into so many things. Um, yeah, so that, that's the ones I had on, on God is good. I think this one is the most conclusive, but you have to you have to look at it from the context of why he would be calling him good master to fully understand what, what they're talking about there. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says that the only one that is good is God. So it He's says not. God is good. Yep. So that is, I think, all of the assumptions. I mean, we probably have a couple others that we didn't mention, but if... You guys think that we made a claim that we didn't support with scripture? Just send us a message or comment and we will get back with you on the scriptures for that because it's important that we don't just state opinions. One of the questions we had a couple sent in and then we also had a conversation after we recorded the episode and we stopped our recording. We should have kept recording. But we had a conversation after where we had some follow-up questions and then I've collected some more questions since then since the last two weeks that the episodes have been out and so to start with the first question is let's clarify is calamity or disaster good okay so that's that's the difficulty of life and that's that's ultimately what we completely discussed last time is when something that we struggle with being bad when something bad happens why does it happen where does it come from and if it's good, do we want it to happen? And if it's if it's bad, why is it happening? Is calamity or disaster good? Does God ever cause calamity in the Bible? He does. Yes. Is God good? Mm -hmm. God is good. It can be good. Is it always? Does Satan ever cause calamity in the Bible? Yes. All the time, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and that's, that's if it's coming from Satan and his goal is to obviously deceive us and steer us from God, then that's, that's not good. So calamity can be good um, if it's from God, but it can also be 
very bad, very detrimental if it's from Satan. Next question. So can something from Satan be used by God as punishment? Okay, so is there ever a time when something that we view as bad happens? And, and, and that's a really good question. Is it, but are there ever times when something that we view as bad happens and it accomplishes good in one way and causes a struggle for someone else? Mm-hmm. So what if you have a young expectant mother who does drugs what is the outcome of that going to be potential birth problems for the child okay how long is she going to have to deal with those problems for the rest of her life okay can god use that to punish her it would end up being a punishment it would be a punishment right consequence punishment yeah what did the child do to deserve that nothing they didn't choose that at all. Well, do you think it's possible Satan would use that consequence? While God can use the consequence to punish, Satan would use that same consequence on the child to tempt the child? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That would be a challenge forever for both of them in different ways. Right. So I think sometimes it's difficult to, and, and I don't know that we always can, divide why is this this way? Is this directly because of this, or is it being used by God? Is God sending it, or is God using it? Is Satan sending it, or is Satan using it? But the but the whole idea is, if we fully put our hope and trust in God, we know that it's being worked for good, and we don't have to wonder where it comes from. The follow-up to that is, can a punishment from God be used by Satan as a temptation? Okay. So when people are receiving punishment from God and it's not viewed as a good thing, it almost always goes one of two ways. And punishment's always that way. Either it brings someone closer to God or it pushes them away. What's the difference? The side of it pushing them away is when something bad happens and then the response is, why would God do this? A good God would never let this happen. Or, you know, like, why, why would this happen to me? And so they say there must not be a God because this wouldn't happen if there was. That is one scenario of a bad thing happening that we perceive as bad pushing us away from God. And if we're faithful, is it from God? If we are faithful, then it is either not actually a bad thing or not from God. Right. So if we're faithful, all of the evil that happens in our life and all of the bad that happens in our life that's actually bad has to come from Satan. Mm -hmm. Yes. If we're not faithful to God, is it possible he would use bad things, what we view as bad, not evil, but what we view as bad to steer us back to him? Yes. And it's also possible that if we in our mind don't view those things correctly, that it would drive us away from God. Yeah, it is. And I think that's why it's so important to understand some of these concepts. Because Job struggled with it. He struggled with it all throughout the book of Job, all of the suffering that he went through and all the pain that he went through. And even from the, it had the aspect of, well, I know that I don't deserve this and I know God is causing this and I know it's not just, but I'm still going to be faithful to God. Well, that, that's not most people. Most people, if they view God as being unjust and causing pain to them when they don't deserve it, they're going to leave God. And I think that's why we have Job, so we know if pain is coming when we're faithful to God, it's not from God. Yeah. This has brought up, or this reminded me of a story in 
the Gospels where the man, I don't remember where this is, you'll have to help me remember where, but the man is blind and, or I think it's blind, blind from birth and Mark potentially, I'm already open oh, to that, so it where he's already blind and the people are like, hey, you obviously were born in sin or something because of this. Yeah. What? Where was that? It's not Mark 9. It's close to there. Mark eight twenty two is about a blind man. John 9. <laughs> John 9. John 9. There it is. Yep. Yeah, so they had the idea here that this man, because he, had, he was blind, they had the idea here that he was a sinner or that his parents was a sinner. And they even asked who did sin, this man or his parents, and Jesus' response was clear. It wasn't blind because of sin. Why was he blind? That the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. So Jesus says this man was blind so that God's glory could be shown through what I'm about to do. So do you think he ever prayed for healing? I'm sure he did. It, it talks about this man here. So we don't know exactly how old he is. But for his entire life, I have no doubts that all he wanted was to see again. And so can you imagine every day praying and praying and praying and praying? And what was God's answer? Later. Later. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. But he didn't know that it would ever happen. Why was it not yet? Because God knew that this was coming when his healing would turn so many people toward God. Did God cause him to be blind? He was born that way for the purpose of the works of God. Or he was left that way for the purpose of God? I'm looking and it just says that it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. It doesn't say who made him blind? Is it possible he was allowed to be born blind, not caused, but allowed to be born blind for the purpose of God? You mean like God just didn't interfere with the genetics that were there? That were going to happen with Satan, but their question who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The ultimate purpose in, in this being allowed to happen was so that the power of God could be revealed. It wasn't because of sin and it wasn't because of anything he did, it wasn't because of anything his parents did, it wasn't a punishment. If it's not a punishment, where does it have to come from? Then it has to come from Satan. Unless it's actually good, and this was actually good. Well, if it's from Satan, it's not good. Yeah. But you have God using it for good. Does Satan ever cause pain in the life of a righteous person? Yes. And every single time, God uses it for good. I don't think that this could have been good, because there's so many passages about God and Jesus saying, like, heal the sick, like, make the blind to see, like, his purpose was to change people from blindness to sight so i think that that would explain blindness as something not good so the reason that this can't be from god even though it was used for good is because it was actually a bad thing so it had to come from satan is that what you're would saying would god cause pain if there was no just reason for it we couldn't know that this was not from God, if they had been living in sin. Because it could have been a punishment. Right. The reason we know is because Jesus said neither. 
Their question was, who sinned that this happened? Well, they get the same view as Job's friends, right? If something bad happens, it has to be punishment from God. I just need a little more clarification on how we know that this is not just something perceived as bad from us because we think a physical disability is a bad thing. But if it's used so that people can believe and come to God, then it wasn't actually a bad thing. It's just a disability. Did God send this to them to punish them for sin? No. Okay. Did God send it to them for no reason at all? just to cause them pain? No. Would it be just for God to cause them pain when they didn't deserve it? No, that doesn't seem very fair. So you're, the only option you're left with is if they were, if they did not deserve it, which Jesus is clear they didn't, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. So the only other option is where did it come from? And he doesn't say that this is, because of God. He says this is like this was allowed that the works of God can be revealed. And so if he, he never says this is from Satan, this is from God, he says that this was allowed so that the works of God could be revealed. And we know that God has allowed Satan to, you know, tempt people, do certain things in our lives, but then God turns around and uses it for good all the time. So is it possible that a pain that is in our life that we pray to God and we pray to God and we pray to God, just like Paul's thorn in the flesh, we pray to God over and over again, asking for that pain to be removed. Is it possible God is, in seeing the entire picture of our life and the entire picture of everything around us, waiting for the exact moment in which it will, like this situation, completely show his glory to everyone? Definitely, yeah. But if we're faithful, he will allow it at times, but he won't cause it. Okay. Because it's not just. I can understand that. That's so, it's just so tricky because as, since we've been talking about this, I've been analyzing different situations and been like, okay, what could this possibly be? What could this possibly be? And like, there's no way for me to know every single time. But um, I, I understand, I understand the principles. So I think it's just going to take some practicing and studying on my part to to look at every single aspect of every single situation that I'm trying to understand, like this one. In our lives, it's a lot easier because we stay faithful and we know. Mm -hmm. We know it's not from God. Yeah. It can be something that I can pray about more, about like asking for wisdom to discern what a situation is. Like, is this actually a good thing? Is this actually a bad thing? Can I know that this is from Satan? Can So I don't try to put blame on God, which God, God is not to blame, but... It would be a lot easier if I knew for certain, hey, this is not God. And so that's going to be something that I'm going to be praying about more. The only thing that would be a slight holdup for me, I think, that I'm realizing is my faulty perception of what good is and what bad is. Because it's not always what we think. So I'm having to think pretty hard about that part of it. And, and, and that's one of the biggest struggles is he understands he knows good and evil. And we can know it, but our perceptions are so skewed sometimes because of the world. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The next question that we had is, so God doesn't tempt us, but one thing that was said in the podcast made it sound like we lumped hunger and desires in with temptations. So clarify on how does God give us those things which are neutral, like hunger, but 
Our own desires can be formed around the world and temptations and therefore become deadly instead of desires for life and godliness. So I guess the question is, what about neutral things? Hunger, for instance, and stuff, is is that from God? And like, is there a neutral situation? Because some of those things can be used for good and bad, which this is more talking about desire instead of temptation. Is hunger good? Yes. What happens if somebody is never hungry? Well, if they're never hungry, then they're never going to eat, and they're not going to survive. Okay. Is physical pain good? Mm-hmm. It tells us that something is wrong. Have you ever known of somebody that didn't feel physical pain? I've actually studied some about that in psychology. I don't know people personally, but there are people who don't have the same pain receptors in their body, and they get hurt all the time because... They could be like a hand on the stove and not even know that their hand is burning. So you're saying the feeling of pain is a good thing? Yeah. And the feeling of hunger is a good thing? Mm-hmm. And so you, you skip a meal and you'll be okay. You, you get to the next meal and you skip it. How do you start feeling? Hungry. Like horrifically miserable. Your body tells you you have to eat right now. Yeah, that like that becomes first priority almost. That, that's almost the most important thing to us is we have to eat. Why is that feeling there? To take care of us. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So lust the flesh, lust the eyes, and the pride of life. Are there good aspects of the things that we desire? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are sexual desires good? Yeah. Let's get awkward, right? <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. are. They were good because... We read so much about how marriage is a good thing. There's a whole book of Song of Songs that talks about the pleasures of marriage and the sexual stuff that comes alongside of that. And so that that is a good thing. Now, have we ever done something we shouldn't have because of desires that are good? Yeah, definitely. So when we get hungry and we do something that we shouldn't have because we get hungry and we get moody and hangry and whatever it might be, that's a good desire to have. God gave it to us. Can Satan twist that desire and use it for temptation? Yes, absolutely. And almost every desire that we have, Satan tries to twist it in one way or another. And our responsibility is to take those desires that God has given us and use them the way they were intended in the place that he gave for them to be used. That's kind of how it started with sin. Yeah. Yeah. Lust the flesh, lust the eyes, and pride of life. I think all three of them were seen with Eve in the garden. Did God not want her to eat? No, he gave her lots to eat. He gave them all kinds of food. He wanted them to eat. He gave them all kinds of good food, really good food. And Satan used the the desire for knowledge, and is knowledge bad? No. But yet he used it in a way that was wrong. And, and so he take, took all three of those desires there, and again, not evil things in and of themselves, but he twisted them to, to tempt her to do wrong. And the same thing Satan does to us. The desires are not wrong. It's the way in which we use them in giving into temptation that can be wrong. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Oh, okay. This was just a conversation that we had after about personal responsibility we have for the cross and not removing blame just by saying Satan was the cause for the cross. The Roman soldiers put Jesus on the cross, right? They physically put him there. They they forced him to do this. Did Pilate put Jesus on the cross? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Pilate did it by not doing anything, essentially. Did the Jews put Jesus on the cross? 
Yes. yes. Okay, so why did Jesus go to the cross? Because of a lot of different people and things. But ultimately, it was only necessary because sin exists. It's only necessary because of sin. A lot of people take a lot of blame, and, and we go through we go through the, the Gospels, and we're angry at Judas. Like, how could you betray Jesus? You knew who he was. You knew he was the Savior. How in the world could you do this to, to a friend? If, if nothing more, a friend, you know, but... And, and then Pilate, like, all you had to do was stand up and do what was right. All you had to do, you even knew he was just. You knew he wasn't guilty. Why didn't you just stand up and do your job? And the Jews, like, how can, how can you not see that he was the Savior? And I think as we go through the Gospels, it, it kind of runs in our mind that all it took was for one of these people to do what they were supposed to. And Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. Only problem with that is Jesus had to go to the cross. It was going to happen, and, and whether it was Pilate or whether it was any number of a thousand other people, Jesus was going to the cross. It was the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that put him there, and he calls them wicked. Acts 2, he, called, he says, this has happened by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, and you have by wicked hands taken and slain him. So it didn't justify their wickedness, but he was going to the cross. It was the will of God, and it was his will for sin. Who hasn't sinned? Only him. All have sinned and fallen short. And so we can be angry at Pilate, but it's our sins that have put him there just as much as Pilate's. And we can be angry at the Jews, but it's it's our sins that put him there just as much as the Jews. And it's easy to sit here and to look at them and to, and to nitpick on their sins. Are we any more innocent? No. No. And so, yeah, we chose sin. We chose to do wrong. We chose to go down a road that put Jesus on the cross. And we are individually responsible for that. Now, when we talk about Satan, where temptation comes from, yeah, he tempted us. But what did we choose? Sin. We should have chose right. We should have done right, but we chose sin. Mm -hmm. And so while responsibility lies on the shoulders of Satan, it lies on the shoulders of each and every individual, too. Just That was good to clarify, because we, we talked a lot about how Satan was the cause, but that doesn't mean that we don't also have a personal responsibility for Jesus being on the cross. Along those lines, I would like to bring up the question, and I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, but this thought process helps me sort through the concepts that we've been talking about. Is the event of Jesus dying on the cross good? And I think that's an important question because of what we were talking about. And if it's not something that that person deserved, if they didn't deserve that, if they're righteous, then it doesn't come from God. Is Jesus dying on the cross good? Okay, so that, that's a really, really good study. Did Jesus pray to be delivered from the cross? Yes, he did. Did Jesus deserve the pain of the cross? No, he didn't. He didn't deserve it. Was it just? No. Mm -mm. Was it from God? It can't be if it, was. it wasn't. Okay, well, what was it caused by good events that led up to it? No. no. So if it wasn't just, but God wanted it to happen, God put things in place for it to happen, it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that it happened. Ephesians 1, it was from the beginning of the world that it was going to happen. Did God cause something that was unjust? No, he didn't. But the thing you run into with the cross is even if God caused it, 
it's okay because Jesus is God. Mm. He chose He chose to bear the sins for us. He didn't take them. And a lot of times we have the idea that God the Father, he took the sins of the world and he placed them on his son so he didn't have to deal with it. Well, I mean, is that really what happened? Or did he take the sins of the world and he placed them on himself? Yeah. It was like a, like a, I mean, it's a voluntary sacrifice. It was. It was. He, as God, went to the cross for our sins. He, he did that. And that's, it wasn't just that he, he received that punishment. The question, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's a lot of, a, a lot of viewpoints on, on exactly what that means. But the reality is he didn't deserve what he was getting. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's tough. That's hard. And he was human, but he was God too. And so he chose to become human to bear the price of that. And and no, it wasn't just, but it, it's it's okay for him to choose to do that because because he didn't put the, the punishment on anyone else. He took it himself. I think that it was probably another thing that God let Satan do that he used for the ultimate good. Because in Genesis, right from the beginning, it says that Satan will crush his heel, but then Jesus will crush his head. So I think that this was something that Satan did. And it was something that Satan used to tempt Jesus, the most major temptation that actually exists, your a, a human's will to live. I definitely believe that Satan used that to tempt him. And so, although I've never thought about it like that, I do think that it was God's plan to allow that to happen, but I don't think that God did it. I, I can see either way. Yeah. I can see either way on that one. That's the only one that I can see either way because it's because it's God, because Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next question: What about the people like Ananias and Sapphira who were punished, and it was not so that they would live? Okay, so that's Acts five. Yes, Acts five. Ananias and Sapphira did they deserve what happened? Was it just? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so. Ultimately, in any of these situations, and there's a there's a bunch of them throughout the Bible. You have uh, Nadab and Abihu, you have Uzzah, you have Ananias and Sapphira. There's a bunch of them where this happened, where someone sinned, and immediately their soul was required of them. Immediately they they died because of what they did. When we look at God and we look at the goodness of God and we look at the just nature of God, do we deserve immediate punishment for our sins as soon as we commit them? We do deserve it. Yeah. And would it be just for God to deliver that? It would. But he's also long-suffering. Does his long-suffering take away from his justice? No, because he ultimately will deliver justice. Because he ultimately will deliver justice. Okay, so was it unjust for him to punish them? No, it wasn't unjust. And is justice good? Yeah. So we we struggle with it, but God knows the whole picture too, doesn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about this, we come down in that verse, uh, verse 5, chapter Acts 5 and verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. What was the final outcome of this? People heard it and feared God. So is it possible God brought just punishment immediately on these two in order to teach everyone else and who he really is and to bring bring them to obedience yeah mm-hmm. so why Nadab and Abihu why did they die I mean not the same exact reason but they didn't offer the right fire 
whenever they were doing a sacrifice. And so again, the punishment was just, and it brought it brought a, a, a finality to it for the people that were there and for everyone following. We still read it today, that God expects us to obey him. And obedience is absolute and important. Uzzah and Ark of the Covenant. He reached out, he touched the Ark, he died. Was it just? It was. How do you think David felt? Because of Uzzah? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've never thought about David in that context. Well, wasn't David the one that was going to get the Ark? David the one that was moving it? David the one giving all the commands? Yeah. I was thinking that both of these scenarios definitely served a purpose of warning other people not to do that. So, is it possible David was the king that he was because God impressed upon him and the entire nation the importance of obedience? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was just. And so when we see these things, it's hard for us to swallow because we we always say and, and like to think, well, the punishment has to fit the crime, right? So if somebody does a small crime, then there, there's a small punishment to pay for it. But there's there's not small sense. And that's that's where our society differs from God. There is either we are right and we're doing what is right or we are wrong. And there's no middle ground and there's no, well... That's just a little sin, or that's just a little thing that's wrong. It's either right or wrong with God. And so when there was a violation of God's law, it was just for him to punish it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next question. Then where did evil actually come from? Didn't God create Satan? He certainly created the ability for us to know evil and to choose evil. Okay, so he created the ability for us to know and choose evil. I'm going to start there because that's absolute. We know it. We see it in the garden. He created the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Did God create evil? We, we, we discussed that one in depth, and that's not actually asked here, but we'll, we'll lead in with that. Did God create evil? We go through the days of creation. Day one, God created light, and God saw that it was good. 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 In day two, it was good. In God, day three, and it was good. All the way down to day six, and it was very good. And so we look at the entirety of the creation which God created, and all of it was good. Do we absolutely know that for certain? Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the Bible tells us where evil came from. We know, John 1, 1 1 through 3, that God created, Jesus created everything that was created. We know everything that was created was good. We also know that evil exists, but it never explains to us or tells us exactly where it came from. Now. The question, didn't God create Satan? I don't believe this can be proven or shown from the Bible. That is something that we can definitely look at in a future study more in depth. Because it's deeper. That's an entire couple of podcasts by itself. But the, the, the important part for this study is to fully grasp and understand that we are absolutely certain from what the Bible says that God did not create evil. And that God created everything that was created, and everything that was created was good. Now, beyond that, it, it, it gets a lot, lot foggier because he doesn't exactly spell it out for us. But we've, we've traditionally held that God created Satan. And I believe if you go back and study it, you're going to have trouble proving that. But that's a study for the future. Yes. So if you had, because that was sent in by a couple different people, if you had that question, we're not ignoring it. We will answer it. 
hopefully soon. It, we talked about what we would do for the next one. And if we don't do that topic, that topic will still be in the next two or three topics. So it will be covered. Next question. All things cannot possibly be good. So the question is about the neutrality of objects and the option for some consequences of things to be neutral. Are, are there okay. neutralities? So, so we're talking about consequences, right? Okay. And in consequences, there are times when we do something and it is a direct result of something that, that we have done. Um, if I'm trying to open a package and I'm using a knife and, a, and I slip with a knife and it goes faster than I intended to and it cuts my thumb, did Satan necessarily do that? Or is that just a result of the physics of this world and I slipped and cut myself? Um, if I'm walking and I trip on something, did Satan cause me to trip? No. Okay. Can Satan use that to tempt me? Yes. <laughs> Oh, oh, very much so. You, you hit your ha your thumbnail with a hammer. Does Satan tempt you to say things you shouldn't? Mm -hmm. and, and so while there are things that fall into a category, I believe of this is just, and sometimes it gets fuzzy and sometimes it's hard to know for sure, but that it falls into a category of this is just a consequence because we live in a world with laws and rules. The law of gravity is there. And if I drop something, it's going to fall. And if my toe is down there, it's going to hit it. And it's a consequence of it. Did Satan cause that object to fall and hit my foot? No. Did God cause it to fall and hit my foot? No. However, the same rule applies is that if we're faithful to God, any consequence that we face, God's going to use it for good. And the truth can be there too, that even if we're faithful to God, any consequence that is there, Satan is going to try to use it to tempt us. Mm -hmm. We can pretty much be sure of that. The important thing is to recognize that free will exists. So I can pick up a knife that is neutral and I can do a lot of different things with it that can be good or bad or pretty neutral, like buttering a piece of bread or something. But so there, are, there are objects definitely that are neutral. And the consequences of the things that we do with them are sometimes natural from law, sub nature, and then sometimes or maybe things that God or Satan has placed in our lives, and it's just going to take a lot of discernment to figure out those things. Yeah, now, we've talked about this before. You know I disagree with you a little bit on that. I think consequences can be neutral. I believe every physical object is good because it's created by God, and it can be used for good, neutral, or evil things. But that's minor. In the next question... Am I categorizing everything into two separate scenarios? So the scenarios are, one, this thing happened as a temptation from Satan, or two, this thing happened as a punishment from God. So either for life or for justice from God in that scenario. So do we have to categorize things in our life? We don't have to. Okay. If we are unfaithful to God, we just need to get faithful to God. If we're faithful to God, it's not a category problem. It is from Satan. So the only time we run into problems with, well, okay, well, is this this, or is this that, or is it God, or is it Satan? The only time we run into that problem is when we're not faithful to God. And when we're faithful to God, we don't have to worry about it. We know it's not from God, because it wouldn't be just. It 
it's definitely a, I guess, a temptation to sit there in a problem and be like, who caused this? Why is this happening to me? Instead of being like, I need to get right with God so I can be more certain about this instead of trying to figure out who it's from. Right. However, the side of it of, you know, Uzzah being a faithful person, yet his sin brought on a direct consequence. And that wasn't a different time. So it could be a New Testament versus Old Testament conversation there. But even though I am faithful to God, I do sin. And I do deserve, I deserve justly death from that sin. But because of his sacrifice, that's not what I'm going to get. I'm not going to get spiritual death. But, you know, physical death, is, is that part of it? Or is punishment for sins that I deserve punishment for? How, how can I know that that is not a part of it, even though I am a faithful Christian? Okay, so we talk about Uzzah being faithful. And the thing that Uzzah was trying to accomplish was a good thing. Uh, they should have brought the ark back. It should have been brought back years before David ever went to get it. And part of the problem was it had been so long since they moved it that they didn't remember and didn't go back and refresh themselves or whatever it was on, on what God's laws were concerning moving the ark. And so what he was trying to accomplish was a good thing. Was the way in which he accomplished it righteous? No, because he disobeyed God when he did it. Okay. Should he have known the law? Yeah. He should have known the law. He should have known how to move it. Are there times when we think we're faithful and we're not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something to consider, too. It, when it, when we're going through times when we think we're faithful to God and we think we're doing everything just exactly like God wants and exactly how we should, and yet we still face continual struggles, we need to continually examine ourselves and continually look and continually keep studying to make sure and to know that we are doing everything like God wanted. Because there's a lot of times in the Bible where people thought they were faithful and they weren't. There's a difference between our perceived faithfulness and true faithfulness to God. Yeah. However, again, we don't have to, when we fully trust him, we're going we're gonna to put ourselves in the word. We're going to study his word and study what we have to do. We're going to find things that we continually need to change. And is grace a reality too? Yeah. Thankfully it is. It is. It is. And, and so you, you, you talk about the sins that won't be forgiven and the sins that won't be forgiven are the sins that we we refuse to admit we don't confess first John 1 9 and 10 and so if we refuse to admit that something is wrong God won't forgive it if we refuse to turn away from it God won't forgive it but if we accidentally commit a sin or if we intentionally commit a sin and immediately turn back to God there's there's grace for that and I think we need to trust that grace too so in that scenario that would be the reason that we can know it is not something bad happening is not a punishment from God. We can know that because of grace. Partly because of grace, but we trust him. If we sin and he sends something to us as a punishment and we deserve it, shouldn't we be thankful for it? It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's like our parents correcting us. Yeah. And a lot of this, like the last couple episodes has been not so that we can pinpoint every situation, but just so that we can know why why do bad things or things that we think are bad happen and what are some reasons in the scripture that we see God shows us what is happening behind the scenes. 
And in general, a principle that I've taken from this is that I'm, I'm continually striving to do good. I'm continually striving to be faithful to God. And no matter what happens to me, whether it is a punishment from God or whether it is something bad from Satan to tempt me, if I strive to, to do the good thing out of that situation, then God's going to provide for goodness to prevail and his will to prevail. And he's going to bless me through whatever like temptations I do face, and he will make a way of escape. So anything that I am facing a challenge, whether it, it I perceive it as good or bad, whether or not it's from God or Satan, good can and will come out of it if I continue to be faithful. All things work together for good, Romans 8, 28. Mm -hmm. But it's only promised to the faithful. Yeah. The next question is about Job. So if God gives Satan the ability to affect us personally with things like health and weather and family and friends, does God give Satan that ability every single individual time he does something bad on earth? Or is there just like a general principle? So 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, I think is the one we need to go to for that. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Did God make a way of escape for Job? Mm -hmm. Did God limit how much Job went through? Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. All through the book or just at the end? But there was a limit the whole time. There's a limit the whole time. And so... We, we The picture that we get from Job is we get Satan going to God and only being allowed to be to tempt Job to a level that God allowed. Are there people that couldn't handle what Job went through? Oh, yeah. yes. Are there people who can handle different amounts of struggle, different amounts of temptation? Does God know that? And so when it says that he will not allow you to be 